Welcome back to the Grey Matter podcast. You're with your hosts, Nick. I also have Rod in the building. G'day, Rod. Hi there. How are you going? Um, I'm well, thank you. And I've also got Chris in the building. Fancy getting both of us in the same room at the same time. I know. Yeah, we're actually, the three of us have jumped on the mics again. Um, and we're going to talk about, I guess, something that everyone will be talking about at the moment. Um in light of what's happening with the self-isolation procedures that are being put into place in Australia at the moment. We're going to talk about that and what that might mean for uh, all of our listeners that might have to carry on with work at home in isolation. So I'll start with you, Rod. What are your thoughts around what this might mean for people that just need to carry on with the tasks, the daily tasks that they're, they're accountable for, I guess? I think that's a very interesting question because on the one hand, I think people will be saying, thank goodness I can now do away with my commute. Thank goodness I can not have to hang out at the coffee machine with that person who wastes my time. Uh, this is great, and perhaps I can work in my PJs, and I uh, don't have to clean my teeth, and uh, this sounds like a great idea on the surface. But actually, a little bit deeper down, I think people are wrestling perhaps with two things. The one, the obvious thing is, will I catch this virus? And what does it mean for my elderly, more at risk, parents, friends, and so on? So that's the one thing that I think is going to be lurking under a lot of our social discourse going into the future. And the other thing is perhaps a more hidden, uh, less obvious issue, and that is me working at home. You know that one of the worst forms of torture is solitary confinement where people just have got no stimulation. And it's regarded as such a terrible, terrible form of, of, of uh, punishment because the brain is not used to and can't cope with just nothing. And so if I'm then uh, going to be working at home, what about my friends and my relationships with my friends and the people on the bus or the train or on the commute? How, how am I going to deal with that? And actually, will I start to miss them? And I think perhaps now that I think of it, there's another item, and that is perhaps the self-discipline. Have I got actually the self-discipline, what it takes to work from home for a whole day where no one's monitoring, no one's looking, no one's pushing me? And I think those are perhaps the three issues that people may have on their minds at the moment. So from a a practical point of view, there's four key areas that I wanted to talk about today. They are the challenges that you've just alluded to, Rod, for being able to work from home and still be uh, productive and feel as though you've got something achieved. The setup that you have at home and the setup for yourself Um, How do you manage distraction, Um, your own distractions that you have at home because they're totally different uh, from at work and the others that are around you that may be at home with you, how do you manage that uh, when they want to distract you because it's a home environment? Uh, And the fourth piece that I really wanted to spend a little bit of time on today which is so important to the isolation piece that you're talking about, Rod, is communication. 
Um, it's how do I continue to communicate with my team? How do I continue to communicate with the organisation? And how do I communicate with the boss, which is totally different now um, because uh, they can't see what I'm doing necessarily. They have to be uh, told what I'm doing. Uh, clients can't see you now. You have to be able to manage that. The whole thought of managing that timepiece uh, becomes really, really important. So if we look at challenges uh, by themselves, there's five that I think are really important. One of them is that time management piece and how we um, maintain our what we're actually pretty good at when we're in a different environment. Um, how do we get in the groove in the morning uh, when we... Uh, good, good when point, we, yep. When we're not turning up somewhere, yep. um, uh, the, how do we manage the fact that we're not going to have the social interaction, that really close social, social interaction that we have that's other than work, that, that is part of our tribal brain, which of course is the next point. How do we calm the farm of our brain uh, when it's looking to fill in stuff when we haven't got the tribe around us? when it's looking at making up stories when we haven't got the tribe around us. Mm. Self-talk, um, yes, self-talk, absolutely. Yes. Um, and self-trust. How do we trust ourselves to be able to do these things? So if we start to break those down, they're the challenges I see. If we start to break those down uh, and overlay them over the, the next three points that we'll discuss, let's look at our, uh, how we set ourselves up at home and how, do, how we set ourselves up personally. Setting up at home means that uh, you're, you're not working from home, you're still working. So we need to have a spot that we don't normally use at home to do all our um, social media stuff, watch telly, um, do, do those sorts of things. We have to have a spot in our homes that we go to. That replaces the fact that we're going to work. So from a brain point of view, that says time on to us. Just like with your kids with homework, that the child should Absolutely. go to the same place each afternoon and do their homework, preferably at a desk, which replicates school. And as you say, the brain is saying, I'm at school, I'm now doing my homework, it's schoolwork, or in this case, I'm now at work, I'm doing work from, uh, from work. Absolutely. So from a personal point of view as well, uh, we need to set ourselves up. R Rod, you mentioned before, maybe I don't have to clean my teeth. Maybe I can stay in my jammies or, or be really casual a, a, about what we do. The reality is, no, Quite we right. are working. So we've got to do everything. We talk a lot about behaviours and uh, the behaviour to put us in work mode is we get up, we get dressed, we prep ourselves, we do all those things. It just means that we don't hop in the car, on the bus, in the train, whatever, to go somewhere else. We haven't got the commute time, but we still have to turn up. And to turn up and put your brain in the best space for turning up, you need to prep yourself as if you were going in somewhere. Spot on. It's one of the big problems that uh, people have when they work for themselves and why a huge number of people that work for themselves actually fail at it because they don't have that discipline. They, they go from a workplace where they have that discipline and they go, mm. we can do anything, mm. anything we like, whenever we like. 
If you don't maintain that discipline in the way that you set up at home, mm. you will fail at it. Mm. You I, won't, won't get it done. So how would you do that, Chris? How would you set up that discipline? You maintain the routine that you had before. You don't have to actually change anything. The only thing uh, I guess that's not changing is you're not walking out the door. Everything else remains the same. It's not new to be doing this. Right. You just have a different location for doing it. Okay, so I've got that. So if you've got now the office set up at home being the work set up, but it's a home set up, what next? It's really important that you still manage your distractions. There's certain routines and things that you do at home. Home's your safe place. Home's the, the place where if you feel like it, um, you go and put the washing on. If you feel like it, you, you go and do a bit of cleaning. While you're sitting there, you might see that one of the plants needs attention and you just go and do it. You've got to manage those distractions. You've got to, in your head, uh, think that you are at work. Just because the surroundings are home surroundings doesn't mean you can do the same behaviours that you would do at home on the weekend, after work or when you're on holidays. So for you, um, you need to manage those uh, distractions. So does that include even the start time and the end time of your workday? Because you said you need to set up the routine exactly as if you were, you know, what the routine was before when you were at business as usual. Of course it does. The, the only difference you have is that you don't have the commute time. So you actually have some extra time at home and therein lies the difficulty because that is free time that you didn't have before that you can very easily get caught up in doing something else and forget to start when you're meant to start. So managing that piece, it becomes really, really important. Mm. But it's also, it's not only managing yourself. You do that at work all the time. You have distractions around you at work uh, that you have to manage. Uh, you might be really busy on a project and someone wants to talk to you or, um, or you're not so busy and you want to talk to someone else. You need to manage that, uh, that uh, at home as well. And the people that are also at home with you need to understand that you are actually working and allow you to work. We work with a, um, a number of people that do work from home and often you'll hear the kids in the background or often the kids will, will bounce up and say, um, I want a drink now or I, I, I'd like to have morning tea or whatever when you're in the middle of a discussion about a strategic plan or something. Um, those people have, have uh, learnt to, and some of them are really, really clever at it, learnt to manage that uh, that you don't have in the workplace, that sort of distraction you don't have in the workplace. But the others goes further and Rod, earlier we were talking about this um, it's about our clients, our customers as well, recognising that you're working from home and that there, uh, there is, I think your example was to do with uh, having to make dinner. Yes, so the example was a real life one of a person who worked from home. Her boss was in Darwin and the boss, the arrangement was a certain amount of hours a week, and mostly it was from eight to two to enable her to do kiddie things in the afternoon. And the boss would phone at about 
5, 5.30, just to check how the day went, anything that I need to know about. And she used to be driven mad by these social, just checking up how things are going, calls when she was driving in the car, uh, making supper, dealing with fractious children. These were six and eight years or five and seven years old. Um, and having to handle all the mom things and at the same time be a professional marketer, uh, that was her role, at the same time. And we know from a stress point of view, from a resilience point of view, the, the, the four stress points are when you're tired, when you're hungry, when you're multitasking, and when you're transitioning from one role to another. And in her case, it was all of those, tired, hungry, multitasking with kids and work. And <laughs> she was transitioning in the moment from being a mom to a professional. And then when hubby came back to being a loving wife, and she frequently used to go, <laughs> and and the... And the results were unfortunate. <laughs> so I think that's something that it's, it's a really good example because I think that that's something that will be more commonplace now and it's something that um, we might touch on this a little bit later when we talk about communication, but it's something that managers and leaders of people, um, you know, their, their team members, they're going to be dealing with these sorts of things now if they are in self-isolation. And there's going to have to be an element of flexibility from leaders and a, a sense of understanding about the three o'clock calls might not work because I have to pick the kids up from school. Correct. You know, if the, if the schools, when the, while the schools remain open. So I think there's going to have to be an element of flexibility there with, uh, around that, but we can touch on that a little bit later. You're right. Uh, the communication piece... Uh, and why it's the last thing we wanted to talk about today is extremely important now because it has to change. It, it's the, whilst we can talk about keeping the routine and so on, um, our communication piece has to be on steroids, basically. What we're missing if we're working from home and in self-isolation is we don't get to have the general communication with those around us. So from a tribal brain point of view, um, we're actually missing something uh, by not being able to have that interaction. Uh, we had an interesting conversation yesterday about how we enjoy going to a workplace on a Monday and be able to discuss what happened over the weekend. It re-engages us as a tribe to be able to share those pieces. If you're in self-isolation, you don't get that opportunity to do that. Um, because it's not something you plan for. It's something that happens as you're walking to a meeting or walking to um, morning tea or lunch or in the lunchroom. You know, it's that sort of extra conversation that you don't get at home that you have to be mindful of because you can fall into a spiral of um, self-talk that is negative if you don't get to voice that with others. So you, you need to be able to find a way that suits you uh, to be able to get some of that interaction. When you have the phone conversation, and I really encourage people during this period to have phone conversations, not email exchanges. Yes, absolutely. 
um, when you get the chance to have that phone conversation, start it with, how was your weekend? Yeah. And how's it going? Where are you at? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so if, uh, if there's something you need from your team members, make the call. Don't, don't sit back. and it, It'll actually make you feel more included in the workplace and will help your peers if you do it that way rather than the normal email exchanges. Yep. So, so an example would be if you're a team leader and you are going to not have, uh, for whatever reason, a weekly get-together because some companies are talking about having a weekly get-together for a morning or something where we all come in and then the rest of the time we go home and work. But if, you, if you're not having that and you have a phone-in, an easy way to do it and there's a group phone-in through uh, Zoom or whatever uh, technology you're using, the team leader says, let's just go around the virtual room and ask each person to check in and you might like to even, for example, give yourself a score. Where are you out of 10 today? Uh, 10 being so ridiculously healthy and, um, and vibrant that if the ATO knew about it, you'll be taxed. Um, and one being <laughs> that you are just about to be uh, dragged out the door in, uh, when, the, uh, when the fireys and the medis come and collect you, take you to hospital. And so you'd say, well, I'm an eight and I've, I'm an eight because I've had a good weekend, but um, when I look at the washing that has to be done, it just brings me down from a 10, otherwise I'd be 10. So it's that kind of check-in, a little bit of a laugh, a little bit of fun, but a more serious, where are you at? So if someone is actually saying, I'm a, I'm a four, I'm battling a bit with whatever, um, at least you have some, some uh, uh, practical knowledge to do something about it. And isn't that funny because... In under normal circumstances, you know, I'm sure everyone's heard a version of this saying the um, the meetings should be phone calls, the phone calls should be emails, the emails should be text messages, and there should be nothing else. Now the onus has really shifted to more phone calls. It should actually be more interaction yep, more because we're missing yep. we're missing that piece. So, and this is a it's a prime example of the change in thinking we need to have and the flexibility that we need to have yep. as leaders. A lot of the clients that we have a national have national business or international business and and this tends to be um, business as usual for them where they've got teams all over the place anyway. They don't get to have their teams together regularly. So they do the Zoom meetings or or Skype or or whatever to to whatever platform they use to get together, but they spend the time on the communication to ensure that they get it right. Uh, last year, beginning of last year, Google uh, released some information about how they manage their teams across the world, and uh, they were they had the top four things that you need to do. And one of them that really resonated with me was the communication piece, how you need to talk to people to make them feel as though they're included still, in this case, in the business, in the company. Uh, they still feel valued. They get the opportunity to be heard. And, of course, they, all their fears um, that they have that can manifest when they're alone 
uh, or with very few people around them, uh, they get that managed or discussed or dissipated or, or whatever. So the communication piece becomes really important. From a team leader or a boss point of view, you'll need different stuff. So be really clear on what you need from your people. It's not business as usual at the moment in our world. We, we need different information or we need it presented in a different manner so that we can be confident, we can trust that the work's getting done for starters, mm. but that we're protected in that we know we can answer the questions that we'd normally just walk up to. I'd walk up to Rod and say, uh, Rod, what do you, what's happening in this space? Uh, if that's something that you need to know, then, Rod, you need to provide me with that, take accountability for that yourself to provide me with that information. Mm. But I need to be clear what I need to know, not just what I want to know. Mm. Yeah, so I think something about that comes through from what you're saying for me is the importance of, of being very clear of not wasting time on the one hand and on the other hand making sure you meet more than before the human needs of people to be connected to be part of a group to, in your words to be part of the tribe to reinforce that um, more than perhaps has been done in the past undoubtedly uh, we want to keep our workforce engaged yes yep. we don't want them to become um, entitled we want them to remain engaged. Yep. And we have to work at that at times like these. We have to work very hard at it. We, um, we made the decision this morning that this was actually a two-part series because there was so much to talk about. Uh, and in the next podcast, uh, we're going to be talking about how you maintain it all. You've got through week one and you've got to do it again for another week. Uh, there's no necessarily uh, a light at the end of the tunnel. And it could become longer. Um, you, you may have symptoms in week two that forces you to be another two weeks. How do we maintain that? How do we cope with the life without people around us, without other people that aren't our family or, or really close network that we have that interaction with on a daily basis? How do we cope without that? Uh, and it's a really big thing from a brain point of view because that allows you time to make up stories in your head. We're also going to talk about uh, some tips around productivity, personal productivity, how, how to structure properly uh, your day. We've talked about setup um, for the home and me, but this is structure stuff to make sure that you get stuff done firstly, but you feel like you're achieving stuff, uh, which is really important. Then we talk about... In the next podcast, we'll talk about self-mastery, the self-accountability, uh, the reframing for perspective, those sorts of things about uh, maintaining your own personal resilience when you haven't got other people propping you up uh, from that resilience point of view. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Chris and Rod. We will see you all in part two of this podcast. <laughs>